Welcome to our Saturday simulcast Sunday version, obviously after Purdue's uh, harrowing, I guess he'd use that term, 43-37 win last night against Nebraska. The Boilermakers now 5-2 and two in Big Ten play, or excuse me, overall, I should say, and, and uh, we'll, we'll hit those topics and more. I want to thank our sponsors, the Union Club Hotel, 811 Bistro, uh, and of course the Boiler Up Bar. We appreciate them for being a sponsor, and uh, we're going to get right to it uh, Tom, obviously a win is a win, and it's an important one, stating the obvious for Purdue. They had to get, had to get through this one. But having a night to kind of sleep on this, uh, your takeaway come Sunday, early Sunday afternoon about what, what you saw and, and the uh, uh, putting all this a little bit into perspective. Yeah, you know, like you said, Alan, a win is a win. It's, it's been like this all year. Jeff Brom even sort of talked about that in the postseason, sort of almost kiddingly said, hey, you know, if you weren't at the game tonight, you can always be sure to come to Ross Aid Stadium and watch a four-quarter <laughs> game. So it's uh it's always a struggle. And uh but for, for Purdue this year, the struggle has often meant victory. Um still so close yet so far from being perfect, what 64 seconds away from perfection. But still, uh Purdue's found a way to win a lot of these tightrope games recently. This is now four victories in a row for the first time since 2018. And uh, Purdue's tied atop the Big Ten with Illinois with the 3-1 and conference record. Of course, those teams meet, I believe, November 12th in Champaign. So that's that's something to look forward to down the stretch. But, of course, Purdue still has to take care of business next week at Wisconsin. But, yeah, offensively, I think this crew is really clicking, right? Um, got 101 plays yesterday. 38 first downs, over 600 yards. The windows Aiden O'Connor was thrown into, unbelievable. Devin Mockaby continues to wow. Charlie Jones is back. No sacks were given up. So just a lot of plaudits on that side of the ball. We'll talk about some of the defensive issues, I guess, <laughs> here soon. But, again, offensively, they're really doing good, guys. I was thinking about this this morning. I can just imagine if they had Milton Wright, Brock Thompson, and Garrett Miller <laughs> Charlie Jones and TJ Sheffield and Payne Durham. I mean, I mean, it's just kind of fun to think about the weapons that that, that could be at the disposal of Aiden O'Connell. And he's doing a heck of a lot, guys, right now without the receivers getting a lot of separation. His, his play yesterday, especially late, was probably as good as we've seen him, at least from my from my perspective here the last couple of years. Yeah, that pass, even the one-yard, two-yard touchdown pass to Charlie Jones is one of the better. Man, he had to thread the needle there, and that, that was very, very impressive. Lots of numbers to go through, which I won't bore everybody with. But, yeah, Mockapee's all-time uh, record for a Purdue freshman. Uh, and and the running game is second best in the Brahm era. But uh, uh, and I don't know. It's not the most plays in Purdue history, 101. They, they ran 107 back in the Sun Bowl back in 2001. But crazy game. Brian, uh, uh, your perspective, obviously, we'll, we'll, we will talk about the, the struggles in the past defense. But uh, uh, your takeaways from uh, what you saw in the Purdue win last night. Uh yeah, I don't know what more I can say that yeah. that Tom did. I, I just think you have to give the offense a lot of credit for uh, picking up the defense, whereas the defense have picked up the offense quite a bit. Um, yeah, you know, that's true. The better part of the Big Ten season thus far, but also yeah. I thought pretty won the I thought pretty won this game on those kind of money downs. You know, those fourth downs, those third and longs. You know, stuff like that. Two of Purdue's touchdowns came on third downs. There were the two third and longs they converted. I think they both led to scores. I'm not sure. 
uh, Purdue overcoming another one of those first halves where you had opportunities <laughs> that got away from you, you know, very easily at halftime. That could have been like a 27 to, uh, well, I guess it was a 27. To, it very easily could have been a more robust margin than it was. Yeah. Um, it felt like Purdue was losing. Uh, when it had the ball at the end of the game uh, because of the way the defense was just cratering uh, and and giving up those big plays. You got to give Purdue credit for maintaining a drive there to put the game away, too. Uh, it just the offense did everything the offense needed to do after that first interception, you know, to really, really win this game with offense. And I, I think that's Purdue's model. I think you have to do what you're good at, what you're built to do, and that's win games with offense. You know, they might not necessarily – be making the big plays left and right like they probably prefer to be doing. But I think, you know, Purdue has found real offensive balance here uh, one way or another. I think I think, I think, think Devin Mockaby has been a godsend, an absolute foundational <laughs> offensive player, uh, you know, manna from heaven, so to speak. And um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's made a huge difference for this team. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the return to Charlie Jones yesterday in terms of, you know, uh, Maryland was able to take him away. Uh, I think people are are not going to let him get behind them uh, a whole lot anymore. But, you know, for them to find ways on those slants and whatnot to get him the ball when he needs the ball, it's just can't say enough about what the offense did last night. You know, and Tom, I think one thing, and we talked in the fourth quarter too, is Jeff Brom took gambles. I mean, he laid it all on the line. He made some some choices that he did not play to not play to lose, so to speak. Uh, I thought that was impressive as well. And and I think Aiden O'Connell seems to be a good man. Obviously, we've watched him for 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 four years doing this in one form or another, but uh, uh, seems to be a good match. And yet, what a crazy crazy game in terms of uh, in terms of uh, what Nebraska was able to do in the short term passing game. And they said what seventeen and a half minutes of, of possession, and they scored thirty. 37 points so that that's been a while since happened been happened but talk about that I mean what Jeff Brom had to you know that message he continues to send to his team is you know we're going to take risk if we have to and and we knew we had to hang out of the football at the end or didn't want to give it back to him and he was willing to take a serious risk uh you know the the Yasin drop late in the game could have really come back to bite Purdue because he didn't burn that clock but uh, they overcame that yeah you're right the um being aggressive, I think that's that's what we what we've come to expect. I think from Jeff Brom on both sides yeah. of the ball, for better or for worse. Um, and I think it's good to be aggressive if you're the if you're the Purdue football coach. And he's got a quarterback at least offensively that he has to feel comfortable with being aggressive. And that fourth down call, guys, <sighs> last drive of the game, fourth and one, about midfield, uh, probably inches really. And yeah, I was, inches. Yeah, I was watching some of that. It was again. like this. I think they erupted like this, but but yeah, it was all it was. Go ahead, Tom. Sorry. Yeah, know. it was really close. And um, where you watch it, and my gosh, one Nebraska guy tackled Charlie Jones, another guy basically clipped and knocked Payne Durham to the ground. So there should have been penalties, but nonetheless, O'Connell still improvising and took it three yards. To get the first down, of course, Nebraska used its timeout. Don't forget, guys, Purdue still faced a third and 11, and that was a huge play there. Mm -hmm. O'Connor no hits Charlie Jones, I think, for about a 15-yard catch to get a first down game over from there. So just big, big plays all night long for Charlie Jones and, and Aiden O'Connell. So, uh, Aiden, boy, I tell you what, Charlie really looked beat up, didn't he? 
Yeah. He was limping noticeably coming off the field. We know he's always been battling some type of health issues all year. Um, they just got to get him to the bye week so we can get some R&R, but they need him, obviously, this coming week uh, if they want a ch- chance to beat uh, a last-place Wisconsin team, if you can believe that. But um, still a lot a lot of, for Purdue to be happy about on the offensive side of the ball coming out of last night for sure. Yeah, without question. Uh, again, you live you lived to fight another day, and uh, that's uh, – that's something that you don't take for granted in this situation, boy. It was certainly, certainly that uh, type of game. Trey Palmer uh, really looked good last night and uh, was running free a lot last night, Brian, uh, in a pretty spectacular fashion. Hard to know as a defensive coordinator. I'm not a defensive coordinator, not a, not a good analyst of what happened, and I'm sure we're going to try to figure that out as time goes on. But what'd you take from that? Obviously, Nebraska made some big plays at the right time, and and just uh, gouged Purdue and and uh, defensively in very quick fashion. Is this a long term problem? Uh, is this something that uh, Graham Mertz may be able to bring to the table next week? Uh, what do you what do you think? Well, it's it's obviously been an ongoing issue. I mean, Purdue's had that that fatal flaw of that untimely bust, yeah. uh, but also that recurring bust. And I think, um, you know, there were some real breakdowns in the secondary. I'm sure Chris Jefferson probably would have made a difference. You're having a really experienced guy back there. Communication, you know, hasn't seemed great back there when there are uh, missed tackles back there. They seem contagious. It's never just one guy. Um, and Purdue just, just has to get it cleaned up. Um, you know, it felt like they're at the end of the first half, like Purdue was either going to sack the quarterback or they were going to give up an 80 yard touchdown. Um, <laughs> you know, Purdue has been very aggressive defensively too. They've been playing a lot of man. You're asking a lot of your corners. Uh, you're asking a lot of your safeties when you do that. Um, you know, it was kind of a theme early in the season that, you know, they're trying to find that balance between aggressiveness and responsibility. And maybe that's an ongoing process here. Maybe Purdue needs to be a little bit less aggressive in the back end or not that a little less aggressive in the front end. And thus you can dedicate more numbers to the back end. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I think those guys just have to be better at what they do. I, th- I think they have to be better, uh, better communicators, better assignment carrier carriers out of assignments whatever it might be uh, but definitely better <laughs> tacklers definitely better tacklers yeah. so a lot of these yeah. plays are 25 yard gains that are turning into 60 yard gains and it, I mean, it was just cartoonish the way you know Purdue comes up with that big touchdown there and the third I don't know if it was the third quarter the fourth quarter whatever it was and you're saying just don't give it back quickly you know, let them, if they score, it's not the end of the world because you're still in a good position. Just don't give it back to them in eight seconds. And they gave it back to them in eight seconds. Hmm. Listen, yeah. Listen, hey, yeah, listen, listen to this, guys. This is opponent long pass plays allowed. Purdue has allowed the most passes for 20 or more yards, 29. They've allowed the most passes of 30 or more yards, 14. The most 40 or more yard passes, eight. The most 50 or more passes, five. And the most 60-plus yard passes, five. So yeah. um, the stats certainly bear out what we all see. No big shock there. But it's just shocking for me when you look at it on this, on this site here. There's a stat site to see, my goodness, all the tremendously long pass plays they have given up this year. And I'm not saying you want to do that. But the way you're playing is you're trying to be aggressive. 
just almost an attitude thing. I mean, I, I know it, it's he just he just a, he's a kind of a if you're a Purdue fan, a breath of fresh air of what you know. This is this is a team that's kind of built on. If you look at where Purdue is in some ways, built on walk-ons. I mean, Maccabi and Aiden O'Connell was at one time. Charlie Jones was at one time. Andrew Swinsky was. You know, you got you got all over the place. You got guys making plays. Uh, uh, it's an amazing story, and uh, and I think that that's a that's a thing that you're going to have to uh, you have to make that uh, continue to to drive you forward because now these guys obviously are all mainstay mainstay players. But uh, hard to hard. To, hard to minimize what they're doing certainly as a, as a group all right now you turn to wisconsin and wisconsin lost yesterday to michigan state uh, in overtime uh scored late in the game uh to get the game to overtime and then um and then we're, weren't able to get the to close it out in overtime Graham Mertz only threw for 120 yards yesterday or in that neighborhood uh braylon allen did run for over 100 um I'll start with you, Brian, on this one, I guess, because it's your turn. But, you know, it's been a long time since Purdue's won up there. Uh, first question, and I know by the time a lot of people watch this, the, the line will be out. Um, what do you – if you were going to have pick a favorite next week, what, what, if you were an odds maker, how would you lay the line for Purdue and Wisconsin? I'll ask both of you, but I'll start with you, Brian. Well, honestly, I mean, it's 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 – I think Purdue's pretty good at stopping the run when they can dedicate themselves to the run, uh, I think – where they've had problems is giving up those those explosive plays in the passing game. Yeah. Um, I think Purdue's playing really well offensively right now. I think Purdue's finding ways to win. I think Purdue's making timely plays to win. It's not just luck. It's not just uh, things falling in their favor. I think you know they did everything they needed to do offensively yesterday to win that game. Uh, I think prior to that, they'd done everything they needed to do defensively to win games. I think it's hard to pick against Purdue right now. I mean, it's just... I, I don't think Purdue is the best team in the Big Ten. I, I I don't know if they're as good as their record even, or as good as their winning streak. But they're finding ways to win, and I know Purdue hasn't won in Madison since like the Carter administration. But <laughs> I, I think that you know, I think it's Coolidge. Tapped. I think he loved, all, he loved baseball. He was good. Oh, go I ahead. think I'm all sorry. of those things, all of those streaks are made to be broken. And, you know, yeah. why not Purdue right now? You know, I was wary of Wisconsin after the Northwestern game, but it looks like that was more of an indictment of how far Northwestern's fallen mm-hmm. than it was Wisconsin suddenly coming to life. Um, I, I guess just the way I'd put it is it's harder to pick against Purdue right now. They're 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 just finding ways. Yeah. All right, but you didn't answer my question. Who's the favorite next week, though, if you're laying odds? No, oh, I'd imagine Wisconsin might be. Point and a half? You think I, just, Tom Wheat? I think oh. I, I think the home field matters, and people will look at that. Purdue hasn't won, hasn't beaten Wisconsin. And the one thing people don't look at is, like, every team is different. And history, so much now. history doesn't matter. such warped context Yeah, that – this Wisconsin team has nothing to do with like Barry Alvarez's teams in the late nineties, you know, nothing yeah. to do with it. This isn't, you know, Russell Wilson and, and uh, who was that running back they had with Russell Wilson, who was just. In um, Melvin Gordon. Was it Melvin Gordon, Gordon or Taylor, yeah. Melvin Gordon, Taylor. No, it wasn't. It, it, Taylor was, it was before John. Taylor, Taylor was later. Melvin yeah. Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, not the offense. This is not that team. This is not that defense, you know, for all of, 
we all we talk about Wisconsin's running games. Their defenses have been suffocating for a very long time, and this is not that Wisconsin team. So people will look at, oh, you know, Purdue hasn't beat Wisconsin, you know, since Taft, but uh, <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything, you know. No, I agree. Um, I agree. So I'd imagine Wisconsin will probably be a very narrow favorite, it being at home, but. Should they be? I don't know. Yeah. yeah we, were, we, we were talking about this very thing in the press box last night. And I think we decided on Wisconsin being about a six to an eight point favorite. Really? Number. Okay. That's, uh, yeah, I guess. That's sort of what I expect. And um, the last time Purdue won was 2003, and it was in Madison. It's 15 losses in a row against these guys. Purdue hasn't beaten them in Ross 8 since 97, Joe Tiller's first year. So, yeah, and I agree, guys. History's fun to talk about, but it has no relevancy on what we're going to see Saturday. Wisconsin's in last place in the Big Ten West. I think they're 3-3 three and three overall, I believe. And we all know about the coaching change, the struggles they've had on both sides of the ball. Um, what a gut punch loss yesterday to lose to a, a moribund Michigan State program. So, yeah, I mean – they look like they're certainly on our peak Wisconsin, so a great opportunity for Purdue to keep its momentum going. So we'll, we'll see what they can do. Uh, and, um, yeah, defensively, guys, we talked about the breakdowns, the shoddy tackling. Uh, I think some of that, too, is this, this, this is the Purdue scheme, which I think we've alluded to, selling out to stop the run and sort of putting guys on islands. And it's almost like they're willing to take that risk and maybe give up some big pass plays if they can shut down your run. And by and large, it's paid off, right? It's worked. They also had four sacks yesterday. They all came in the first half. I think they had five TFLs. They had two interceptions, a forced fumble. And this is the amazing thing to me, too. We've talked about this each week, I think. But how the defense has responded after Purdue turnover. I think it's now seven turnovers in a row. Purdue's only allowed three total points. Think about that. Opponents only scored three points off the last seven Purdue turnovers. Unbelievable. So, uh, and even after the block punt yesterday, guys, Wisconsin just got a, a field goal out of it. Uh, we could talk about special teams if you want. The missed field goal from 41 yards, the missed extra point, which could have been huge. But I guess oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that becomes a non-factor when you win, right? Yeah. I still, I'm still always worried sometimes at, at that phase of the game. But um, as the coaches always say, it's funner to try to – Correct mistakes coming off wins and losses, and Purdue's five and two. Now, here's my question to you: Is Purdue going to get ranked this week? Yes. Yes. There's an affirmative. You didn't hesitate, Brian. Well, well, I, well I, I, I think they'll probably be in that 26, 25, 24 type of range. Yeah. How close so were I, they last week? I can I mean, see it being they? one of those deals where they're like either at worst they're the first team out, second to last. So I guess I don't know why I said yes when now I'm saying they might I think be you're right because that doesn't <laughs> well, I, I think you're spot on there and where they'll probably be. Yeah, um, yeah, I think anybody who's paying attention might still have a little bit of trepidation about them, <laughs> yeah, uh, because yeah. of how close these games have been. And I'm not saying that every team has to win by three touchdowns to be considered good, but uh, you know, a, a lot's you know. Th- these are three straight outcomes here where things could have gone very differently. Um, hey, do, you guys, do you guys think it's too much to already say Devin Mockaby is the best running back in the Jeff Brom era? Markel well, Jones a, had some good moments. Markel Jones had the 217-yard game, but 
Mario Fuller made some big plays, but yeah. I, I but this I, guy runs better than both those guys, in my opinion. I mean, I think he can very I think small can sample size, but still, man. Yeah. I'll tell you. What's funny yeah. about Maccabee is like he doesn't seem like there's there's nothing remarkable about him. Well, he doesn't. He's kind of like very different from how you coach a running back. To, like ordinarily, you teach guys to be compact, you know, to keep the ball, yeah. you know pretty well protected he's just a ball of energy and he he's yeah. he's 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 i think that energy makes makes him what he is i think he's just yeah. uh he, how should i i i don't really know how to put this um runs but, up right yeah I, like he yeah if you took a running back and you coached them to be a really really good running back i, I don't know if the finished product would look like what Devin Mockaby looks like. Yeah. He's just got it. He's just got something natural. Yeah, but I'll uh, tell you, I I agree uh, to the I, point where you you don't know if they should coach him. Just go, exactly. Do what you're doing. No, but, don't don't change anything. But I, Tom, he, the, he runs yeah, so ahead, upright. Right. He just he just he's just a ball of energy. Mm-hmm. And I would put into context. Yeah, I think he is or has the ability to be. Um, and he has something that. I haven't seen out of many Purdue backs, and that's vision. He he knows how to cut back, instincts. take things, yeah. instincts. They just haven't even, even, you know, Markel Jones, who ran for a lot of yards and, or a fair amount of yards and certainly had the 217-yard game against Indiana in Brahms' first year. Um, but this guy uh, has got something unique from that standpoint. I haven't seen many backs, and I, and I, you know, we tend not to. But I, the last one I saw that had a little bit of that cutback ability and had great speed was was Joey Harris. Now Corey Sheets had had a little bit of that too, but but not not like this. So yeah, we'll wait. The jury can still be out, but he's certainly, you know, you think about uh, as a true as a redshirt freshman. Uh, uh, Brandon Jones had a 165 yard game uh, back in 2002, but he's got the best one ever uh, by a freshman back. So he that's a, his, and, that's, and, and, and 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 he's got to be your starter from here on out, right? Well, I don't even know why we're. Yeah, I don't even know why why that's being litigated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No um, doubt, no, no, no question. And and I thought it was interesting that Daru got on the field yesterday. I didn't think he was, you know, he didn't do anything that was significant. He didn't, you know, got got there and got it done. It'd be nice to have another guy in the field. And you know, when's the last time in the last Purdue's only had you know, last time Purdue had a guy carried the ball thirty times in a game? Of course, that was Markel Jones as well against Indiana, but. It doesn't happen very often, even dating back to 2000 for Purdue. It hasn't happened very often. So, uh, again, they've chose to make him the workhorse, and and maybe that had a lot to do with what Nebraska was bringing to the table. I get that. Uh, But uh, He catches the ball, too. Now he catches the ball. He's got 13 catches, too. Yeah, yeah, he's doing a lot of things, and I and I think I like the thing I like about him. He's a little bit of the heart and soul. You know, he's a guy that uh, you can't help if you're a teammate. You can't help but look at this guy and say, "Man, I can do better." And I need to do energy. better. And, energy yeah. is, he is one of the most under-discussed commodities in athletics. No doubt, energy. Yeah. And he's you know, got he, it. he is not the he is not the most talented guy Purdue's ever had by a mile. Uh, Corey Sheets is still the most talented running back I think Purdue's mm-hmm. ever had in my frame of reference. I don't go back to Leroy Keys, obviously, but <laughs> Corey Sheets is the most talented guy I've seen Purdue have at running back, hmm. followed by Joey Harris. But it, it it goes back that far before you know Purdue has a guy of, of that of that ability. No doubt, and no doubt. I I just think he's in terms of productivity, in terms of impact on games, you know stuff like that. Devin Mockaby kind of transcends talent. 
You know, I, yeah. I, I, he just, he just has a knack. He's just, he, he's a playmaker more than he's a, he's a talent. Yeah. If you ask me, yeah. I'm not saying he's not, he's not that talented. I'm just saying he's, it, it's that energy. It's that impact on the game that he has. Um, we got to play this game real quick too. Tomorrow, Purdue, Illinois on a neutral field. Who's favored? <laughs> I'm still suspending disbelief on Illinois. Uh, Illinois is really good defensively, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, and on a neutral field, I'd, I, I'd like Purdue's chances because Illinois. No, Tommy DeVito played yesterday, right? So he played well too. Played well, but. Uh, uh, and that was an impressive win over Minnesota, but I, I like Purdue's chances. I like Purdue's chances on the 12th of November too, though it's not going to be easy. And we'll see where we'll see where Illinois is at that point in time. Purdue too, Wisconsin and Iowa. I'm yeah, telling you what, guys, the way Aiden O'Connell played yesterday. How about that? Yeah, I, I would. I would. Hey, Brian, I'd be hard pressed to pick anybody. He, now he don't. He he's got to be a draft pick. He's a draft pick. Oh come on, man. You're telling me he's not worth a fourth, fifth, or sixth, or seventh round pick with all the crap in the NFL? Yeah. Where he throws a football? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would, I, I don't know enough about to, to say. I, I think Allinger, or Carson Wentz. Yeah. You telling me Carson Wentz is better? Yeah, Carson Wentz is pretty talented. You don't get to that <laughs> level without really. I understand, but this um, guy, the way the way he throws a football, man, he's a pro. He's a pro quarterback in my book. I don't know. He's six foot three, smart. He's cool. How many last second drives has you led? He checks six. a lot of boxes, man. The thing about yeah. O'Connell is he's you don't want to write him off because he's no way. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways to make it the pros anymore. I mean, you look at some of the guys who've gotten pressed into action because of these injuries and all that stuff, and um, you look at all these third stringers out there who are just you've never heard of them. Uh, when you have an arm like O'Connell does, it, yeah. it's you know, those throws yesterday. The way that's Brom, what you need. Yeah, but the way the way Brom was talking about him in the post game. Yeah, I don't think Brom is much of a hyperbole guy, and he had some pretty high praise for some of the throws that he that made. touchdown throw, the yeah. two yard. Uh, yeah, one of the throws I've seen was the hardest two Best. yard touchdown ever scored. Yeah, but that yeah. that throw was unbelievable. It's tough too, unbelievable throw. Um, yeah, and that second I, and he, yeah, he, version of Charlie Jones that was a big time throw. Yeah. Um, but you know, the position is becoming more of a athlete's type of position. You do have to, I always put it like this. It, it's in a lot of ways, it's about be, being a playmaker as much as it's a quarterback. And sometimes you got to do things outside the system. Yeah. Uh, and that athleticism is just, is something that's going to, you know, really, really weigh down his, what he's capable of, at least in terms of being a draft pick. I'm not saying he can't be a late round draft pick. I'm just, yeah saying that that's going to be a really big thing to overcome. Uh, I mean, the the scramble. This is like, is this Kirk Cousins that athletic? Uh, yeah. He's a better athlete than. Yeah, he's better. yeah, Matt, yeah. Ryan, was Matt Ryan that athletic? How yeah. athletic was Matthew Stafford? I'm yeah. not saying Aiden's better than those guys, but the NFL is not filled with Kyler Murray's and Patrick Mahomes either, or Lamar yeah. Jackson's. There's still a place in the NFL for quarterbacks like Aiden O'Connell that don't run a 4-4-40. Yeah, and and, and the well, it, it's you know, not just a matter of a four four forty; it's a matter of like a five eight forty. But again, I like I like Aiden O'Connell. The fact that he, his blood pressure doesn't change. I don't. I, yeah, I, I, he, I he, blood. 
He is. He's got I mean, everything you want inside his chest and between yeah. his ears for sure. And yeah, boy, that's, that goes that's, a long way because does, does. You know, right, David Blau is still drawing NFL paychecks, and I don't think any one of us would have looked at David Blau in college and said, "Hey, yep. this guy's going to get vested in the NFL's retirement program." Elijah Sindler, maybe David Blau. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Sindler was and, a better pro prospect. Than oh Blau yeah, was, I, it just yeah. so happened things yeah. just just worked out different for both yeah. of them uh, in terms yeah. of Sindler getting hurt, Sindler probably wanting different things from his life. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch this evaluation. I mean, I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but it's going to be a lot of fun watching that evaluation of Aiden O'Connell from January to February, you know, in March and whatnot. Yeah, see where he ends up. Yeah. And um, like I said, there's a there are guys. I'll I'll bet you I'll bet you a steak dinner at, at the 811 Bistro. That uh, I don't know if I'll bet you. I'll take you all to a steak dinner at the 811 Bistro when when uh, I think he'll be on a roster. Uh, oh, at some point. no doubt about that. Yeah. He'll definitely get a chance. Yeah. I just wonder. Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to get drafted. My question is, how high would he get drafted? Yeah, that's going to be interesting to find out. All right, Purdue next week. Three and Wisconsin actually three and four, one and three in the Big okay. Ten. One thing I've been seeing about Illinois' schedule, uh, they do have to go to Michigan, uh, but they have they have Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue, and Northwestern. So, uh, they if, if if you want to see Purdue lose a second game lose to Illinois and still win the division. That's problematic unless Illinois gets beat uh, by Nebraska, but they have to go to Nebraska. So Alan, you know, Alan, Alan, you think, you think it's going to take seven and two to at least win a share. Can you be six and three maybe? Well, but if, if that would mean Purdue losing what one more game would put them at, uh, would put them at set what's at seven and two. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and it just depends who they lose to. But yeah, if they lose to Illinois, I, Illinois would have to have three losses head to head. So uh, will Illinois have two more losses? They'll have one more at Michigan. But can they? I think that game on October 29th. Again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that's what we do for a living. Uh, Illinois and Nebraska. You know, can Nebraska beat them there? They probably aren't going to lose to I Michigan State. Uh, and they're not going to lose to Northwestern. Uh, that uh, that part uh, seems well, these to be next two, These next two for Purdue, guys. Yeah. At Wisconsin, off, and home to Iowa. Going to be big games. That's, I guess it's, that's uh, fun to have that part uh, now, figured out. What scares you about the Iowa game? I'm scared of it. What scares you about the Iowa game is that Iowa can't score. Yeah. Right? They cannot score. But it could be one of those typical Iowa – you know, uh, ugly three to you know six to three type of games, and then yep. and then Purdue has a bust in its secondary, yep. like it, it has been, and all of a sudden, a 10-3 deficit feels like it's about twenty-one to nothing. Yeah, you know yeah. the the way they play. I, they I think they don't beat I, themselves usually. I I think we are established one thing, and that is. Purdue cannot look past anybody in the rest of its schedule, uh, maybe with the exception of Northwestern on November 19th. I, got I, I think IU's pretty good. IU's not very good, but it's Indiana IU, Northwestern, terrible. But I do think that uh, to get to that point, Purdue's got to really, really button it down, and, and uh, it'll be a fun thing to, to figure hey, out. Guys, hey, guys, real quick, before we sign off, my mom got a new refrigerator. So yeah, I did. So they had to pull the old fridge out. And you're not going to believe what had fallen behind the back of the fridge that I found yesterday. Look at this. Almost mint condition. 2013 Daryl Hazel football pocket schedule. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> How much go. money can I get for that on eBay? You think? Look at $1. that. $1.95. How scary does he look there? Wow. Yeah. Reshape, rebuild, return Purdue. How about that? How'd yeah. that go? Yeah. It didn't go well. It didn't go well. <laughs> Daryl's a good guy, though, but uh, but uh, didn't work out for him as a football coach, that's for sure. All right, guys. On that note, we'll bring this to a close. Thanks so much uh, uh, for all of you enduring our, our rambling, but we had some interesting comments. That's part of the fun of this show. Tom, Tom built, always likes to build some good arguments in there, and he's right. Uh, we don't know what uh, – some things to think about. That's half the fun of uh, being a college football fan and an observer. All right. Thanks to the Union Club Hotel, the 11 Bistro, and the Boiler Up Bar. We will be back next week. We'll probably do this – we'll do this Saturday night because it'll be a 3.30. Tom will be – they'll probably be kicking Tom out of the Camp Randall press yeah, box. So he'll, be, he'll be drinking beer. In the, he won't I be drinking beer. I've got to make sure I've got a plan B. <laughs> <laughs> and he won't be drinking beer in the Wisconsin Union, but uh, he might be in the Wisconsin Union uh, when when we do t- next week's show. But of course, Purdue, Wisconsin, it's three thirty. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So a lot of good place to eat there. So uh, three thirty next week, and we uh, will look forward to doing that. All right, uh, we will sign off. Thank you guys very much for some wonderful insight to this afternoon, <laughs> and we'll we'll look forward to. Uh, uh, our next uh, Saturday simulcast. And again, thanks again to Union Club Hotel. For that, uh, have a good rest of your Sunday or whenever you're uh, ingesting, digesting, processing, processing. This, processing, all those kinds of things. We appreciate that. So have a good one, Gaul, and we'll talk to you next week.